Da, 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 da. He says, da, da, da. Oh, did I tell you I went to Ghana last week? You did? Yeah. yeah. We've been watching you. It looks good. Mm. Tell us about Ghana. Oh, Ghana. Well, I, I want to tell you about Senegal, Beverly. I want to go out to Senegal mm-hmm. with tell you. Tell me about Senegal as well. Yeah, we're, we can. Hello, everyone. Max McGillivray, BSOC Global. We are live with the eclectic team from Women in Food and Farming. Um, and we're, we're live today with uh, with Lucy Wager. We're just waiting for all the feeds to, to, to kick in. And um, who have we lost? Where's Lucy gone? No, you're there. We've got everyone, haven't we? Christine, Christine keeps on dropping in, in and out because we can't quite figure out what country she's in. Uh, we think it's like, <laughs> begins with S. It's either San Francisco, San Francisco, that's not a country, uh, Senegal, or help me other country that begins with S. Somerset. It's Portugal. Oh, it's Portugal. She, and yeah. They, and she speaks. <laughs> Spain, but it's Portugal. Oh, yeah. Got yeah. uh, D happy. Right. Who are we going to pick on to tell us about women and food and farming? I'm going to run the roulette wheel and it's chosen Beverly. Beverly, where are you today, please, in the countryside? I'm in Ashridge. I'm starting my second year of, a, um, of an executive coaching programme. And uh, on the way here, my electric car completely gave way on me. So a tow truck had to, it's now in the garage in, in Cheltenham. I'm about 100 miles away from Cheltenham with a, now a petrol hire car. Oh, no. So would you recommend that, uh, that, that people that don't already have an electric car go out <laughs> and buy an electric car with your recent experiences, Beverly? Of course I would. It keeps your, it keeps your adrenaline flowing. Okay, where are you going in 10 days' time in your electric car that you don't yet have back? Well, I was going to Spain, so let's hope, let's hope that um, it gets living back in time. Okay, well, um, in our green room, everyone, I did offer Beverly my uh, XC60 Volvo with 182,000 miles on, but uh, Beverly declined <laughs> something to do with the the, 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 the dog hair and the uh, and, and the crisps. Um, I, I, think, I think I thought I was going to get Beverly to introduce uh, Women Food and Farming. That didn't work. Christine. You asked me about where was I? Oh, well, no, okay. <laughs> right, we're done with you. Christine, Women of Food and Farming. What, why are you in Portugal, Christine? Uh, I, I'm just in Portugal on holidays, and I'm at a juicing and exercise retreat that I came to last year and um, and this time exactly this time last year I was here when we did our broadcast um, with Caroline Drummond mm. um, which of course a couple of months later we look back on with uh, with sort of enormous I suppose appreciation because she was no longer with us and so it feels quite sort of poignant to me doing this broadcast here again from Portugal. Yep, she's never going to be missed, is she, our Caroline? She achieved so much, and this, I, I love the things that are now bubbling in, in her well, really positive legacy. Yeah, and, and, you know, Leaf is going from strength to strength, but at the MDS ball a couple of weeks ago, I sat next to somebody who worked at Leaf, and, uh, you know, she hadn't really overlapped with Caroline very long at all, and it meant, it, you know, she's made an enduring difference to so many people. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, women in food, the reason that I was particularly poignant is because Caroline was one of her, is a massive supporter of women in food and farming. And she came, uh, she used to come to all of the in-person events. And as I said, she did this broadcast this time last year. So uh, it, it sort of f- feels sad not to have, not sad not to have her with us. And I particularly feel it on women, when we're doing women in food and farming things. Um, but uh, at the end, I'll give you the date of our get together. We've got two get togethers scheduled in April and September. And, um, and the exciting news is that we're going to have um, a, a website, which is we're hoping to go live one. It won't, won't, be, won't be all singing and dancing, but on International Women's Day, which is later oh, this wow. week. And that will be sort of part of our transition of moving away from um, all of the very the two years of um, Max hosting these things on Greenstalk Global, for which we are immensely grateful. And uh, um, hopefully you'll continue to be a supporter of women in food and farming for a long while to come. But it's an important network for women at all stages of their career. Both of our in-person events this year, um, we have sponsorship for the under 30. So anybody under 30 can come for nothing. Um, or for free and uh, they'll obviously have to pay their own transport but we'll give them some food and wine and um, and we've got speakers for both those events as well and I think Debbie and I between us I think uh, we've got speakers for every event up till September this year so wow. it really does feel like a thriving network of, of women um, the, the speakers don't have to be women they tend to be but uh, we're, not, we're not that fussy um, they're just inspiring speakers and opportunities for people to get together and um, speak to people at all stages of their career find mentors and ask silly questions and maybe questions that have really been concerning them about um, being a woman in this industry 
Christine, well done. And uh, guess what that said, if you want me to come down and take some photography for you at um, any of these events, so we can capture that for your website. Um, Debbie, would that be a plan? That would be great. Thank you. You did such a good job for the conference in December. That was lovely. And uh, Debbie, you've uh, you've been in New Zealand. Were you looking at potatoes out there? What what were you doing in New Zealand? No, I was actually on holiday, but very sadly, while I was there, uh, Cyclone Gabrielle rearranged the onion crop. Oh no! So oh, yes. I think uh, people are going to struggle with late season availability of onions in the UK. Not just it's onions; it's grapes as well in Hawke's Bay and places, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Hawke's Bay, Naked, yeah, and a lot of apples were flattened as well. It was it was unbelievable. It was twelve inches of rain overnight, but it brought a lot of trees down the rivers, so a lot of bridges are knocked out. Wow! So it, it really is quite devastating, and it was so sad to watch that play out in a in a country that's. That got such a thriving agricultural industry normally. Yeah, they'll they'll survive. They'll they'll they punch will. on through. They, 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 the kiwis are very pragmatic, and they're already setting to amending. But, well, but it's hard for them. Yeah. Well done. It, it, it does make you think about our fresh produce supply to this country yes. and how how okay. tentative. I mean, you know, we've already gone without tomatoes, but you know how much we rely on on overseas crops, and you know maybe the the you know a sixty percent self sufficiency in the UK is just uh, not not right for the future. Pipe dream. And talking about surviving, uh, Kirsty, I survived the MDS ball. That was fantastic. You, you did, and it was such a, a great event to have so many alumni and, and members and trainees. Everyone had a a really good time. Um, my feet are still painful from all the dancing, but uh, it was. Really enjoyable. Can I, can I tell you my, my funny one? I, so I, I wasn't doing the photography there, but I did take my camera to take some pictures. And there was a great uh, moment um, after the various speeches when um, uh, Beverly was talking to, to Safi, CEO of um, of MDS. And so I sidled up, took a picture, thought I was really cool, then turned around and tripped over the uh, the camera strap of my camera, dropped my camera. <laughs> oh, I won't be doing that again. Breathe as always, Max. <laughs> so so come on, let, let's concentrate on our, on our guests. Who, who's going to introduce uh, Lucy for us, please? Debbie. Can I, can I introduce Lucy? We worked together at Sainsbury's many, many years ago. De- Debbie, and... hold, on, hold on, Debbie. Let me just prove. Kirsty, great to see you go away. Beverly, great to see you go away. Christine, great to see you go away. Oh, that's all work. Beverly, you, uh, sorry, Debbie, you have the floor. So I'd love to introduce Lucy Wager. I, I know her from when we both worked together at Sainsbury's. She was an amazing and inspiring product developer. But I know since then, lots of lots of things have happened and she's she's absolutely booming and blooming oh, with nice. lots of inspiration so i'd like to introduce lucy and perhaps you could tell us a bit more about your story thank you exactly. and lucy before you start um i'm just going to give a bit of an intro because the folks lucy on the podcast really like a, a bit bit of a detailed understanding as to who we're, who we're going to um have on um debbie do you want to stay on with us or have you got your little have you got your little band to look after um yeah. uh, debbie was waving around uh, what, what was it lucy nine week old baby yeah <laughs> Not oh, mine. <laughs> De- De- Debbie's new baby called Penny. Absolutely. <laughs> Who yes. she bought from Waitrose. Right, come on. Um, so we're, we're joined today by, by Lucy Wager. Lucy is an accomplished food industry professional and entrepreneur with 19 years of experience in the industry. She began her career as a concept technologist in food manufacturing at Backable before moving on to work as a product developer for leading retailers such as M&S and Sainsbury's. In 2012, Lucy launched, oh, help me, Poodology. Podology, a first to market. Have, have I just murdered that, Lucy? Have I said it correctly? Yeah, podology. A first to market chilled plant based dessert brand that went on to achieve national success. We all know that. Today, Lucy focuses on working with early stage food and drink businesses, providing guidance on all aspects of product development, food safety compliance and general support through the challenges of concept to launch as a respected food industry professional she also writes and delivers training programs for development marketing and and commercial teams across the industry lucy is dedicated to inspiring and educating the next generation of food industry professionals and entrepreneurs helping them navigate the challenges and opportunities in the industry her passion for innovation food safety and food security for all continues to be a driving force in her work she's committed to making a positive impact in the food world for many years to come. Lucy, is that a good summary of your good self? It is a, a lovely summary. And what a lovely introduction from Debbie as well. That was really, really lovely. And I'm so delighted to be here. And I think one the, the, the thing that wasn't mentioned though, which is entirely my fault probably, is that I'm also a co-host for a podcast called Oh For Food's Sake, where yes. Amy Wilkinson, my co-host and I, um, talk about 
the challenges and the joys of working in the food industry and sort of we pull on our combined nearly 40 years experience in the industry um so yeah I should definitely give that a mention as well but that in total sums me up and and Lucy how can we find that podcast what do we need to look out for on the various uh, podcast websites so it's oh for food's sake excellent all of your favorite podcast channels okay how often does that come out please it's every Thursday Oh, blimey. So that's quite a commitment then to do it, to do yeah, it weekly. It is, it is. It's a big commitment. And we we started it nearly two years ago. Um, and it literally just came out of Amy and I having a chat. Um, Amy had started her coaching business. She messaged me and said, Look, should we have a catch up? So we caught course up over Zoom. Hadn't spoken to each other for ages. We met when I was a graduate at Bacabor. And then after the call we were like that was great wasn't it catching up there was so much to talk about and I had thought about starting a podcast because I'd not long started my consultancy business and I was sort of just out of podology thinking you know what what can I do what have I always dreamed about doing and I was like do you fancy starting a podcast and Amy was like yeah let's do it and we literally we launched it I think four weeks later or something absolutely crazy and we initially started doing bi-weekly episodes and had no idea what kind of response that we'd get but we quite quickly got you know a, a nice following and we then found ourselves thinking I think we need to do this more regularly yeah. uh, to keep the momentum going and it, it is a huge commitment and you know you will know Max it's it, I think it's one of those things that people think let's start a podcast but the, the amount of work that goes into it and we, we've always had an editor because neither of us are yeah. you know, gonna think that we can edit anything um, because it does take a lot of time but we love it and it's it's really useful. We both find it really useful for ourselves. It keeps us like on the straight and narrow and we love it. And the engagement that we get and the feedback that we get is amazing. And we feel like we're giving something back to the industry, which is what, why we did it in the first place, to be honest. And I think it's really good for people like yourself to do it. And also it encourages other people um, to do it because sometimes it feels like you're when, when you start the these adventures with uh, with video or podcast I don't know if you found the same Lucy it feels like you're shouting into a wood and there's no one there um, yeah. and then and then you get this tap on the shoulder and said and someone will say oh I heard you or I saw you or I saw that picture yeah. can, I, can I hear a little bit more and it's like oh that worked and then yeah. you keep going and it just builds up but it's that continuity that's why I'm so impressed that you're doing it doing, doing it weekly because when it doesn't work we we men as you know are appalling at trying to do anything on a continuous basis if you don't if you don't do it continually and people know when it's coming out uh, that's when when it starts starts to fail that's how there's a great asset to have, to have for the sector yeah and I, I to be honest I think it really helps doing it with somebody else and you yes. know yeah yeah it really helps because it's hard because you do when you first start you do feel like you're shouting into the abyss and yeah. <laughs> you don't know who's listening to you yeah. but we we just feel like we're just having a chat basically every week we you know all the topics that we talk about are things that are topical or things yeah. that we want to talk about and we just have a chat basically yeah. we get guests on and it's 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 good it's it's you know hard work but it's good fun as yeah, well so. i could i could see you you're you're obviously very authentic as well and that's what works really well on that uh, on, on podcast as well i've tried to get a tv series for myself and christine and i've I've plugged it to all the major channels but the only channel that's picked up on it so far is dave um i I haven't told christine christine yet because i think she'd be a bit disappointed because i think she was hoping to get on on uh, on on the world service or something (laughs) so come so come on tell us about you lucy what what exactly do you do come let's use that uh um we've just walked into a wine bar or or a pub and we we we, were just overhearing a bit of conversation and and i come up to you lucy you sound really interesting you sound fascinating what what do you do um, well, I work with generally startup and early stage businesses now, um, helping them with any and all the challenges from a concept to launch. So, in fact, I, I, I basically I love problem solving. So I when I when I did my own brand with Podology, I went into it with a really good grounding on product development. As Debbie said, I met her when I was working as a product developer at Sainsbury's. I'd always worked in product development. That was my sort of core competency and everything that I knew. And I went, I, I created this business pedology and I basically did everything from the manufacturing, wow. the technical, the, you know, scaling, working out logistics. And it was great because, I mean, it was like a massive, crazy, scary roller coaster with lots and lots of challenges. 
Um, but I think when you work in a big business in the food industry, you're very focused on your area. My area was product development. And you kind of understand the other areas and you know someone that works in logistics and you, you know, you know people that work in packaging, you get involved a little bit. But then when you start your own business and everything is your responsibility, you basically have to learn everything. And so I learned in that seven year period, I learned an awful lot. And I, I, what I always say to everybody is I did, I did way too much for way too long on my own. And that was because I knew a little bit about everything. So I was able to sort of ask people, learn, and and that's what a lot of, um, you know, entrepreneurs do. Um, but in the end, it, you know, it made me miserable, to be honest, oh, no. because no. I, I I sort of came out of it and I'd forgotten who I was. I'd forgotten what my passion was for the food industry. And I, I, you know, I think we're really lucky to work in the industry because everybody eats, everybody has an opinion on food and it's generally people like talking about food. Yep. And I love working in the food industry because of that. And um, when I finished pedology and I started consulting, um, I, I basically realized that I, what I love is product development. I love the challenges that product development brings and I love problem solving and I love working with different people. Um, I really enjoy the scaling up process. So taking something that you've created in a small scale and understanding the challenges that you'll have to to get it to scale. Um, And having gone through the startup process myself, I find it really rewarding working with other startup companies and early stage businesses. And a lot of them, some people have got food industry experience, some people haven't. Um, And so that's what I, that's where I focus that's where my time has been focused yep. um, because of the experiences that I've had, I think. Yeah, but and um, I can't remember that figure. Could, um, Jan, Jan England asked me this about a year ago. There's an amazing stat over the pandemic about the number of new food businesses that are being created, especially on the back of uh, back, back, of, back of COVID because people were, were at home and uh, perhaps waking up to the fact that they didn't want to be an accountant in, in London and that they'd actually like to set up the, the food business. So presumably that's been uh, very, very positive for you because as the expert that you are, you've had um, lots of newbie companies coming to you for direct advice. Yeah, it has. And, and to be honest, I've, I've focused, I've worked with a few um clients for quite a long time now I've okay. just literally just had one that I've been working with 15 months um that has um sort of gone the full cycle so we started um together back mid 2021 and he was working full-time at the, at the beginning and he's literally just gone time to the business so it's been really nice because I've seen the whole process like from the concept of the business really through the whole process the whole um concept and launch process and and now he's in that business full-time running it um and gone through the full cycle yeah um so yes and it's it is it is an incredible industry because we do have a lot of of new businesses and new ideas coming into the industry um and i think that has you know really spiraled in the last 10 years you know if you think back you know, challenger brands now are everywhere yep. and they are really properly challenging the big brands. Yep. And it's changed the face of the industry, really. Yep. Um, so the shape of the industry is changing and the challenges because of that are changing. I, I, I do think the issues that we're facing as a, you know, as a country or as a you know, global economy um having a real impact on on smaller brands it's having an impact on those those startups being able to get investments and everything just feels really hard at the moment yeah you know whether that is going to have an impact and things are going to start shifting again i'm not i'm not quite sure Okay, and, and Lucy, I, I, would you just need to talk about some some of the the negatives of of this? Um, not about two miles from where I'm stood here in Barrington Edmonds, there's a very big um, food machinery company that deals in in secondhand food machinery. So, so say like Backerville were looking to repurpose a, a factory and they needed to get rid of the um, the the kit. This this business would pick it up and um, and then resell it um, um, mainly into the likes of Eastern Europe. But they've they've got a big boom. 
um, with uh, new businesses starting up in the in the food sector and speaking to their owner, they unfortunately love um, the likes of new gin businesses. And he gave this example to me um, about a year ago that there was a couple in um, in London that uh, had decided they don't want to be in London and they wanted to create um, uh, a gin business. And they went to retail. Somehow they managed to get a face to face meeting without actually having any product. And the and the retailer said, "Oh, yeah, that sounds of, of interest." So they then went to remortgage their house. Uh, they rented some um, some uh some space uh bought all new high-end kit put it all in there started producing um got the first bottles out went to the retailer um and said to the retailer oh how, how many units uh um do you want and the retailer said i didn't say i was going to buy it just said i was inter- interested they then couldn't find any home for the for the product that they they created and they then had to um dissolve the company because they, they they had had no business and in steps my food machinery contact and he goes oh here comes another one and just to, to top top a tail that we had uh, someone in the office uh, recently who's in um, in a specific uh, food sector and th- they've just got very niche product and they can't get any FaceTime with the retailers because the retailers are so so busy and there's another 30 different lines of this particular uh, product and they're finding it really difficult to gain traction all that costs have gone up because of the Ukraine da, da, da. so to, to Lucy just on, on that side have you, have you so two things have you got to be quite selective as to who, who you work with and um would, would you, if you have if you've got people coming to you saying oh i want to start a food business would, would you have quite a quite a hard conversation with them to make sure they're doing the right thing and and got it set up on the on the on the right basis yeah and i think that's what i meant about the shape of the industry changing yeah. again because things are they are harder for sure um and the barriers barriers to entry are harder now um I think the businesses that I get involved in tend to be slightly more established. They, they tend to be uh-huh. slightly further down the road. So yeah. um, I tend to help people at the stage where they may even already be manufacturing on a small scale, but it's then how they make it more commercially feasible yes. to, to, to take that next step to scale. Yeah. That, that can actually be the, the biggest challenge because, as you say, you you you've got to have a really clear proposition to be able to step it up into bigger retail and have it commercially viable for them, especially now because costs are so challenging. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, I would be having um, very clear conversations with people who are coming to me in those very early stages because, you know, I've been in that position. I've been in a position yep. where I've liquidated a business um, and and we we've actually got a podcast on the topic of liquidating because we, wow. we thought that it was timely because when I liquidate pathology it was end of 2019 um and I I reached that decision because we you know we'd had seven years of, of growth basically I, I entered the plant-based market before plant-based was really a term <laughs> in 2012 and you know create you know helped create that category we were the first chilled plant-based desserts to the market um but by the time I left you know the likes of goo were coming in and having that space and so I couldn't compete in that space because I know we never got outside investment we we grew the business organically um but I know the pain of you know creating a brand and then having to say goodbye to it like that and you know I really feel for that that example that you gave about people that, you know, remortgage their house. I mean, you know, people do put, you know, everything on the line for the for this. And it's really hard. And, you know, there is a lot of competition. And I think there's there's competition, more competition in specific categories, but also some categories. Um, and product areas are easier to enter because there's it, it can be easier to produce a product for a cheaper cost in some categories. And, you know, I I launch products into the chilled category, which is a crazy thing to do because but there's less people doing that. Um, but it is, it, you know, it is harder because of the cost of transport. And obviously that is uh, and storage and that is, you know, going up all the time as well. Yeah, and that's where I think you're you're going to be fantastic going into businesses, because you you've got it warts and all. If they're a, a relatively well established business, but just like you were, if they're just being slightly busy fools because they're having to do everything, to have your mercurial touch come in um, and and give the magic dust as to how how they can then progress the business. And, and produce a, a product that's going to be exceptional at good margin and it's the business is just going to grow grow with us isn't it 
Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And that's what I like to try and bring to clients that I'm working with is and and I do like I use I like to utilize the experience that I've had of of those I I, I say like the seven years of pain that I went through <laughs> and, and this is a big thing about Amy and I starting the podcast it was like you know I've had this experience and it was it was incredible fun as well like don't get yeah. me wrong I mean yesterday I shared a um I shared a photo of me and my dad um on a pallet stacker and it, it's, oh, it's sorry. brilliant yeah it's yeah. just my favorite photo because it just encapsulates everything about that period of time you know we spent so much time at the factory and yeah. you know, there were a lot of really and the thing is it's like anything like that you live through that is really hard work but you kind of get something out of when you look back on it it's like oh wasn't that fun like yeah, yeah, even yeah. though it was really really hard um yeah. so but I do like to take the experiences and you know, add value where I can and yeah. talk about it and talk openly about the, you know, the really hard bits about the fact that we, you know, in the end, we did have to liquidate it. And, you know, that feeling of it felt like a failure, but um, I hope that I've come out of it and I'm able to sort of put that knowledge to good in other businesses yeah. and, get, and offer advice in that way. Yeah, I, I think everyone would agree on this call that the, the, the better people I meet are those that have had some adversity in their life, whether that be on a on a on a social, domestic, or or and um, a business perspective. Um, it's uh, I, I remember a, a, an old landlord of mine, Lucy. Um, oh, this is years ago, fifteen years ago. We were having a tough time with my recruitment business, and we couldn't pay the rent that that month. And I, I went to the uh, to the landlord and I said, "Oh, Mr. Landlord, we've got this problem." He said, "Max, it's fine. You'll work up a problem. You'll work up a solution. No one's died. You'll learn from it. It's fine. Just 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 come up with a plan." Oh, that's that's like that's like what a, what a great thing to say. And and you yeah. look at you, all the experiences that you've had in the last seven years to be able to deploy that back back into 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 the food sector. So coming coming to the back to the food sector, you sort of already intimated it. Supply chain challenges. Oh, you got all the, all these things going on, whether it be um, empty shelves or uh, the Ukrainian crisis pushing up um, various various costs. What what are you advising your your client base at, at the moment as to how they can they can row through this this storm and create success on the back of it? Well, I think it's you know, I think we have all had to accept over like when covid started it was like we sort of got to this position where it was like god it's really hard isn't it at the moment you know but there was this feeling that eventually it would get better and i i feel like we've got to a point where it has just got really hard and it's gonna be like that for quite a long time and um i try and look at the individual problems that come up and find individual solutions basically and yep. I think one of the things that makes people feel better is a, so one of my clients messaged me and said was talk we were talking about a problem and she said something like um are you hearing this 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 from other people this type of issue uh, yeah. or is because it just feels like me yeah and I thought that was really interesting because I because it wasn't and I said and I said to her like you know everybody is feeling this everybody's yeah. finding this really hard and I and I said even it's not just in the food industry either yeah. like, it really is like my husband works in a completely different industry and you know he's feeling it as well so yeah. I think one one of the things that I do because especially when you're working in a startup or an early stage business you can feel very isolated so one of the things that I try and do is sort of be the outsider you know feeding in as well and sort of saying look you, you're not alone everybody is feeling this and yeah. every business will have slightly different challenges but they the supply chain issues I think cause a bit of a ripple effect through the product development process because you have issues with products that you're currently developing so new products that you're trying to get to market so you, you might have supply chain issues on you know sourcing those new raw materials or the raw materials are incredibly expensive um, but you've also got issues with products that are already launched, but you're having to redevelop them because you've got supply chain wow. problems with products that are already. So you might be having to find substitute ingredients and that can have an impact on packaging and back of pack. And you need to redo labels. And, you know, that has an impact on cost. But then further, you know, further down the line, there could be issues on packaging sourcing, which can push launch dates back. Yeah. 
you know, so I think development teams in bigger businesses as well are under immense pressure because their workloads have just increased dramatically because you're not just focusing on, you know, new product launches and a bit of EPD. There's a yeah. lot of EPD, EPD work going on yeah. because of the challenges. And the, the, the stream going through all of this is cost yeah. because at every point where things need to be changed, there's the cost of the resource to be able to do these, to make these changes. There's mm. just the time that's needed. You know, there's more time that's needed to, to have contingencies in place. Because I think more than ever, you know, we've always talked about, well, what happens if we can't get this raw material from this supplier? There's always been an element of contingency. But I think even, you know, when you're a, a small manufacturer or a small business you 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 might have a thought of those contingencies but actually I think it's really a reality now yep. because there are you know there really are challenges in the supply chain and being able to get certain materials so sorry my cat just jumped on the back <laughs> there and made me jump <laughs> here's the <here's> cat <laughs> oh bless um so yeah Lucy, just a uh, couple of things for me. I've said it so so many times um, that we uh, on a previous broadcast we had a, a fantastic lady buyer from Pig and Pay on from um, uh, from, from South Africa, and as she said, uh, "Oh, Max, we've got so many issues, but never waste a crisis. Never waste a crisis. We'll be a better business on 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 the on the back of this." Um, and and again, if you, if you that that whole point that you made about your uh, client feeling uh, that the 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 lonely everyone is in the same. Same scenario. So to be able to, we, we did a broadcast earlier today with uh, Jed Futter, who's a who's a retail expert, and and he he was saying that everyone's is, is in the, the same same boat. If you if you feel lonely, uh, join a group, whether it be the likes of the NFU National Farmers Union or um, uh, group groups that align to your sector, or listen to your podcasts, and then then you'll hear yeah. hear hear it all that you're not um, alone. And also to have confidence, and wherever you get that confidence from, whether it be from your podcast or uh, aligning with with groups, just to see you through through this um i don't want to say crisis because that sounds a bit dramatic but the scenario that that we're going through it will it will get better and the better the better companies will survive but they need to pull on the likes of yourself lucy to give them that expertise yeah i, I think you're right and it, it is being it is um you know joining forces with people and i i do think the food industry is so good at that like yeah. I, I, I always say I don't know whether I'm biased just because I, I've never really worked you know I started as a grad in food so I've always been here um and but I do feel like the food industry is a really welcoming yeah people great. love talking I mean I'm really active on LinkedIn and you know and it, it's just this you know women in food and farming is a great example of you know networking with other like-minded people and everybody you know doing it to try and help other people and bring people on and support everybody you know it's it's really it's really important and i think we're really lucky to to work in an industry where right. it's normal that, that that is so collaborative i love this word um, as everyone in women food and farming know i love this word collaboration it's been my word for the last couple of years so just on that point do you think there are opportunities with what um, the, the the team do at Women in Food and Farming to support product development teams in in the industry, how, how can we all collaborate more? Do you think um, to to make a success, to make to make a, a unique selling point for, for for the products that everyone's generating? Well, absolutely. I mean, I just think the more people that know about Women in Food and Farming, and it's about networking, isn't it? I mean, I went to the last, I think it was the last in person networking event that Women in Food and Farming did. Okay. It was fantastic, and um you know you, you the thing is about the food industry as well it's a really small industry so you tend to like bump into people that you haven't seen for a while yeah. so, you know I hadn't seen Debbie for ages and I bumped into Debbie at the women in food and farming event and I went with an old an, an ex-colleague um from Marks and Spencer's and I hadn't seen her for ages and you know I think it's about engaging starting conversations doing stuff like this going to the in-person events and I know like in-person networking isn't my favorite thing to do at all and no i don't believe that that's I don't why believe i go that. with other people Rubbish. i have to walk in with somebody else but once <laughs> you're there it's brilliant because you get yeah. to meet so many people and you know that's i think talking about women in food and farming and success stories of just you know teaming people up 
and I know from the in-person event that I did, I connected with um, lots of people at the event. And uh, in fact, we've invited one onto the Have podcast. You? Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think there's loads of opportunity because everybody's got so such diverse experience that yep. um, it's really interesting. I mean, I was really interested when I went to that networking event to talk to some of the people that are involved in the agri-tech side of things, because that's yep. not something that I know an awful lot about, but I'd been reading around it. And that gave me the opportunity to actually speak to people that worked in that side of the industry. And I think that diversity of conversation is really important. Yeah, and and the, I'm just spinning this off the top of my head, but the, you look at the likes of uh, vertical farming, um, which, which is in its ascendancy, but it also needs people like you to come in and give them a direction as to on a, on a product development front as to what can be uh, grown. One, one of there's a company down in Kent, uh, Grow Up Farms, that's just launched the first uh, saddle saddle line on a vertical farming perspective into Iceland. Um, and you look at the, the obvious product development that's gone into into the packaging yeah. and the whole 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 offer. There's, there's so much to be had there. Just just on, on product development, do you, do you think there's a, there's there might be a hiatus as we work through this um, financial period over the next two three years? When when retailers and, and other other customers don't need us, they just need to have straightforward things. They don't need the over anything overcomplicated. Do you think product development is going to be part for a bit, or, or actually is this the time now to to really to really go for it? There's that um, uh, listen. There's that great example. I always get it wrong. It's either Pepsi or Coke in the, in the recessions in the 80, 80s. One of them backed off all their marketing. Um, one of them uh, doubled their marketing, knowing that they would come out of the recession and they would be in a, in a better and stronger place. And they yeah. subsequently were. So yeah. you should be should be negative in this sort of climatic period. But do you think there's a there's a threat to product uh, development that some companies will look to um, curtail investment in it? Well, I'm sure they will, but it, it, I think business, you know, you just given a really good example there. Businesses that do that always do suffer and they do then have to, you know, reignite it again. Because the reality is, is that, well, particularly through hard times, people want to indulge themselves. Now, that doesn't mean, I don't mean indulgence in terms of, you know, it can be luxurious, but it's, it's things that they want that are going to make them feel good. Yeah. And, you know, food and treats and just you know things that we consume make us feel good um and so therefore the product development and the innovation won't stop and and most businesses know that they need to to keep innovating that's how you keep your customers and i was talking to someone the other day and um gave a really good statistic um which actually is probably going to be on a podcast i think it was on a podcast we recorded where 50% 50% of your your uh, 50% of your heavy customers won't be your heavy customers next yeah. year. So yeah. you know you've got to keep it's about keeping things interesting and exciting and and new. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether that be with you know real innovation and, and newness or whether that is just you know you know redeveloping your existing products to make them better and more relevant um it, you know it, the development process can't stop it, it, it totally, it's, it's the blockbuster effect isn't it look at blockbuster or kodak we're, we're going to be here forever yeah and, and, and they get to smash over then some really positive examples the, the likes of hotel chocolat um and they 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 always find that they have a uh an, an increase in sales in a recessionary period of yeah. or financially because people want to want to feel good uh, so that to, to look at chocolate and like likewise lipstick lipstick sales go up don't they because they're people, yeah. so so i'm I'm eating a lot of chocolate and using a lot of lipstick at the moment, Lucy. I, I believe it, Max. You're looking fabulous. <laughs> what was the other example? Yeah, but then you've got slightly old examples like Greg's. Or was it today or yesterday? I've just announced that they're going to be opening another 120 stores uh, because they, they've, they've they found a, a good route into the market. And I, I don't particularly like them because of, of what they sell and there's no fresh produce in there. But all credit to them because the product development that they've um, created within within their stores is working. Isn't yeah. it? They've, they've found, found what the consumer uh, wants. And we, we can definitely definitely learn. So so you're so you're positive. You're positive that product development, if all these companies are deploying product development, a bit like the marketing example I gave with Coke and Pepsi-Cola, now's the time to use PD. Now's the time to bring it into your business. Well, yeah, I think it's about understanding what the consumer wants and, you know, doing product development that's suitable for the market that you're in at that time. Yeah. Um, and it's about 
you know, understanding the your consumer and, you know, working within the parameters that you've got to develop the best products that you can, basically. Yeah. Um, and and unfortunately, you've got to do that in the environment that, that you're in at the time. And, the, and that, you know, this is the world that we're living in at the moment. So we have to we have to work around it. Yeah. And then we've got this other comp- complexity um, that uh, everyone's been squeezed on, on margin plastic um I've, I've, i was um in ghana last week with an amazing fresh produce business called blue skies and waitrose um and uh, uh it's all funded by uk aid uh, around this initiative that's been called um fresh pact and it's trying to find uh, solutions for, uh, for for plastic in the manufacturing of, of products so um all, all the people in the factories who are using um single-use uh, plastics for overalls and things and also the plastic tubs that everything comes in and uh, they, they had uh, four teams that came out to look at uh, in, in Ghana how how plastic is is used and deployed to try and find solutions for it on on a plastic basis uh, for, for for yourself and, and your clients and, and for the greater food industry. What what's your view of packaging? How 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 can you see packaging changing over the over the next few years? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because I think all the um, all the discussions around sustainability and um, you know food miles, carbon footprinting. I think there's going to be a really big focus on packaging and how we use packaging. And I mean, we have daily conversations in my house about the amount of packaging that we that we just yeah. accumulate. Um, and I think I think there's you know I think plastic has a place. Yeah. And plastic isn't always the enemy. And I think there's a huge educational piece around sustainable packaging and how it's made, how it can be used, how it's recycled. And I just think there's a huge educational piece around it. I think I've been really lucky because I did a um, I did some product life cycles for one of my clients. And that was really insightful understanding the the impacts that different ingredients have and different packaging types have and just because a product a a piece of packaging looks like it's environmentally friendly you know Mm. the the carbon taken to produce that might be significantly more than the carbon taken to produce the plastic so you've got to take the whole thing into consideration and I think you know as companies start to do that and decide what their their focus as a business is going to be on from a sustainability perspective, then things will start to improve. And I think we'll see businesses having, you know, a view on we are going to focus on our carbon footprint or we are going to focus on having um, developing products that are you know, p- particularly good for biodiversity. And I think that's going to be really interesting. And I think that's going to be where the sustainability piece starts to go because it's such a complicated area. Yeah, and, and Lucy's spot on. And it's got to be genuine. You and I are going to hold hands on this one. We, we've we've both seen some examples of a bit of, a bit of greenwashing going on, perhaps not in our sector, but in, in other sectors, because it's easy to add um, the sustainability message on, on, a, on a website, but it's actually got to be genuine. And that's one yeah. good thing about, about the food industry, isn't it? That you, you very quickly get found out if the products that you're promoting um, have uh, are stated they've got a sustainable uh, uh, background, haven't, because it would just be, be shown very quickly. But yeah, I'm really excited about the future of that because it's a big problem at the moment um, globally but just seeing some of the things I've seen and l- learning from you I, I'm, I'm positive that there will be changes but we, yeah we need to see them sooner rather than later yeah yeah absolutely and I think there's it is it is a really complicated area and but I think people are more and more wanting to learn about it and I think that, that's another reason why I like working with early stage businesses because they tend to be it, it's easier like when you're when you're first starting you can you can create you can you know decide what your story wants to be i think it's harder for really big businesses where you've yeah. got to go backwards and, yep. and it's a much bigger much more complicated beast yeah because what's an example it's, it's a bit like the automotive sector that have, have had to pivot to uh stop producing petrol diesel cars and move to um electric cars with the likes of tesla um they just built a new factory and, and built electric cars whilst the likes of the audis yeah, and exactly. um, i've had to, had to repurpose it it is so difficult yeah. to move that oil tanker isn't it yeah. as, a, as, as a as a business so, so, so lucy just just before we bring bring the gang 
uh, back in. Just, just not many people are, are, are listening or watching, but just, just can, can you just give us some of the secrets? What, what are the more exciting and innovative things that we can see in um, in PD that you're excited about over the next few years? What, what are the secrets? What's happening? What's, what's coming along the tracks? <laughs> oh, I think one of the most exciting things that I think is around um, cell-based technologies. It's the technologies that are coming up. Um, which are really exciting. And I think that's... Cat, from cat I, warning, cat warning. Carry yeah, on. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> from when I started in the industry to now, technology has changed and has come on so much. And there's there's a really, you know, the, the cell-based and cultivated area is is okay. really coming on. And, you know, we... I don't know how long it would, will be until we see cell-based products in the UK because at the wow. moment they're classed as novel foods. But you know whether that will change, I'm not sure. But you can, you know, the first I think there's I think they are on sale now in America, but and definitely in Singapore. But I think that's an area that's really interesting, and um, I because I've been hearing about it for quite a long time, I feel quite comfortable with it, and I'm quite excited by it, and I would eat it, and I'm you know in, really intrigued by it. Um, but it's interesting when you ask people sort of outside of the food industry, there's quite mixed reactions. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's a really exciting area. And I think um, there's I think mushrooms and fungus in general is an interesting area to watch because I think there's going to be a lot more coming out on that side of things and fermentation of, of fungus as well. Um um, so I think that there's the, and then I think the the bigger ones that people already know about are the gut health and, yep. and nutritional personalization. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more products personalized to you. We're already, you know, Holland and Barrett have already got something where you can get personalized products. And and I think that that is in line with overall trends in general about people wanting things that are specifically for them as well. And yeah. I think that also goes to that indulgence that we were talking about and really treating yourself and really understanding yourself. And that goes alongside the gut health and immune health and, you know, really understanding ourselves and products being developed to be very specific and it's sort of, it's really drilling down into the overall health and wellness trend that has been around for ages but it's it's really becoming very personalized and really understanding that a bit more that's that's so so exciting uh debbie christine kirsty beverly do, do you want to come back in um i do, do you remember lucy functional foods within backerboard might have even been within geese well let me get this right that's um um, so you go to a doctor and they would analyze your, your blood and they would say you're a red triangle. So you should only buy red triangle food uh, for your particular probiotic um, status. Um, and back of all, we're looking to do a, a project where you would then have um, well, pizza or salads and you'd have a red triangle or a green circle and you would buy that sort of food. And so, so it's, it's, it's basically that next level, Lucy, is it? of functional foods that we, we might be might be looking to oh, see. I guess so. I mean, there's there's. Um... There are like supplement companies um, and um, like protein powder from a sports nutrition perspective where you yeah. can, I mean, you can give like DNA samples and have things like, you know, specifically personalized to you. Um, and you can do, um, there are, uh, you know, Zoe, um, uh, Tim Spector. Yep. Um, he if you, if you can get onto his zoe thing i can't remember the the full <laughs> name i'm rubbish this is, i can't believe it's the first time i have there's something that happened else because i always can't, can't remember how, how to say things but you can do your gut microbiome and then be given specific um supplements and specific ingredients and dietary recommendations for you that are tailored to actually to you yeah, what yeah. is going on in your in your body yeah yeah, and the, yeah, and um, um, Beverly, um, geez, half a billion pound turnover business, UK, uh, Spain, Senegal, um, America. Uh, product development is is that a key mm. element for your business? Yeah, usually variety of development. Um, so you know there are products, um, certainly for the lettuce and celery. So we have variety trials weeks, and we work really closely with the seed houses. And uh, for beetroot, so in the food manufacturing side, of course, there's a lot of EPD yep. um, and we've always got one eye on MPD too. Yeah, we, um, we, 
Sorry, Pebbly, we won't we won't talk about turnips because that's the uh, that, that was last week's story, wasn't it? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Pebbly. Kirsty, with the with MDS, with the number of trainees that you've got, um, product development, are you seeing uh, an, an ascendancy of uh, product development within within food companies? Absolutely, we we definitely see um, an increase in uh, businesses looking for trainees for NPD type roles. They find it quite useful to have a fresh face coming in. Um, to test new things and young people are bringing in new ideas they've got a very different outlook on what they want the future to to be like and we definitely see a lot of trainees coming in who are applying for those particular types of MPD right. roles and actually one of the, the questions I wanted uh, to ask Lucy was for young people or, or people looking to enter this type of career what would you say your top three skills that they would need to have, particularly if they're not coming from a nutritional or product development background? Lucy. Um, really good question. I think um, top of the list is, well, I was gonna, well, top of the list, what's on the top of my list? I, well, definitely a, a passion and an understanding of, of food in general is, is just really important. And, and to be honest, most people that want to come into food have that. Yep. But I think it's that, being able to understand how your passion of food can then be interpreted into products that consumers want so it's having that and like that consumer understanding as well and appreciation I think it's really important to have really good project management skills because the when you're a product developer you're because you you're involved in the process from concept to launch and there's other people that come in at different times, you generally are the one that's pulling everything together and managing the critical path. And that can sometimes be overlooked. And if you don't work in the industry, you might not actually realize that, that you really need to have really excellent product project management skills and be the one that kind of brings it all together. Um, so I think that that's also a really important point. And, and sort of coupled with that is the ability to manage lots of different people and be the person that you know it is a difficult role because you can be sometimes seen as the person that's being difficult you know being the one that's having to go to the operations manager to find out if you can do a trial that's at a really inconvenient time um, and talking to people that aren't necessarily the most approachable people in the business <laughs> so you, you do you do need to have, like possess those kind of yeah. you know personable skills but also be able to have that confidence to do that and I think that, that they're two of the things that that you don't necessarily appreciate until you're in the role yeah yeah I well would done. definitely say a brief stint in MPD myself being able to buy production managers and having a ready supply of biscuits um at any point to, to chuck into a staff room always helps to grease the wheels that, yeah. that's, that's outrageous Beverly um, I was just thinking, Lucy, and you partly answered the question, but um, I noticed that you run people development alongside your business development and wondered why did you do that? And do you feel that's a really important aspect of the work that you do on the podcast? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think that I think it's because um, what I was just saying about you, you, you start in the food industry. You, you, you know, I, I came into the food industry because I had a passion for food. You, you then start your job and realize that, oh, my God, you've got to like be a negotiator and you've got to work with all these different people that are very different to you because they're working in technical or production. And it's actually quite terrifying and it's all very overwhelming. And, you know, some people are really good at adapting and creating those skills within themselves, but other people don't. And so they then leave the industry. And we have got one of the things that we didn't talk about is that, you know, there is a bit of a crisis on people and, you know, we don't have enough really good people in the industry and we definitely don't have enough people coming into the industry. So one of the things that Amy and I talk about is, you know, we want to be able to develop those skills so that people, particularly within development, because that's sort of our, my skill area, stay in development um and well you know we utilize the skills that we've got and we don't lose people just because you know they haven't 
naturally got the skills to be able to speak to a procurement manager or an operations manager. Um, so yeah, I think it is really important. And because we work in such a fast paced environment, it's not always something that is readily available within the businesses that you you, you might find yourself working in. Yeah, just to jump in, um, uh, Debbie, if it's okay, I'm, I'm going to send uh, Harper Adams, other fantastic universities are available, uh, Lucy's podcast, because I think for, for some of the, the students at the likes of Harper, and Newcastle and Sorencester and uh, and and uh, Riffle and Reading to to hear that to hear from from Lucy just just Lucy to get engaged with uh, the whole the whole P- PD world will be exciting to them. We're, def- we're definitely seeing more of an interest of people wanting to come younger people wanting to come into into the sector. But as we all know, and and uh, definitely Beverly and, and Kirsty will tell you this: it's, it's hard to find uh, people to join their businesses, let, let alone on a, on a on a recruitment perspective. Uh, Chris. Christine, PD within you within your career has it been important for, for the for the teams that you've been running? Uh, yes, it has. I mean, I worked for Mars where we, um, I was actually doing the launch of things like Tracker and Skittles and things like that. So product development is something that I know a lot about, and actually the whole idea of managing people and getting on with people and understanding, you know, whether it be distribution or manufacturing or sales or marketing and all of that comes together in terms of when you're launching a product. And um, my, my role at the time of the launch of Tracker was actually um, product um, product planner. And you just had to get, you, you had to pull everybody together because they all knew what they were doing, but actually how that all interlaced with each other and what what the impact of that was, was, uh, was, was hugely complicated. I mean, I actually did find it was very odd at the time because they put the best production planner on the Mars bar and the brand new one on Tracker. And I just thought, I just had absolutely no idea how difficult new product development is. I mean, it's the most uncertain um, bit bit of working in any business. Yeah, that's I I wanted to make a point that Lucy made about uh, people asking, you know, is this happening to anybody else? I would have said that was one of the key things as groceries code adjudicator, that when um, suppliers are being asked things by retailers, they, they, you know, you feel so isolated and you feel that somebody's made an unreasonable demand, but you don't realize that it's very often a retail wide driven initiative and they're all asking the same, the same things. So actually being able to, having other contacts in the industry, having networks, having people you can speak to is enormously helpful to know that you're not the only person that's being asked this. And particularly yeah. if you're being asked something that is against the groceries code of practice, then you know that there's enough of you to then raise it with the adjudicator and even to do it anonymously. But, you know, you're not alone. Lots of people are going through exactly the same things as you. And having networks is so important in terms of being able to try and address them. Yeah. And, and just to reiterate that, that was the one fear I had before this broadcast was that people would be backing away from PD because of the the, the the economic issues that we've got but, but Lucy it, it just feels that more and more that the more time and investment that could be put into PD the more beneficial it, it will be for business I'm just going to lean on Beverly on, on that with, with her it, it, um, superior food background Beverly would that be correct? Uh, yeah, it would, but for all sorts of roles you know I think that's um, that product that product management skill is necessary in lots of jobs. So I would say that's kind of one of those meta meta skills that if you learned, you can apply in all sorts of places. So I reckon highly valuable. But product product development happens all the time. It's there's new 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 product development is obviously not you know that that come that tends to go in waves, but. Mm products are always being developed and particularly when you've got supply chain issues you're you are yeah. you are having to say well if we use if we decide to switch from cane sugar to beet yeah. sugar well what's done. that actually going to mean and what does that do to the recipe and things like that you do have yeah. to understand this, this product development is ongoing on every single product but even ones that you've known for 50 years yeah everyone was slightly, slightly running out of time De- debbie do you, want, do you want to take it take it from us all and wrap up and uh Thank our illustrious speaker of the day. So I'd like to thank Lucy. I thought that was very illuminating and fast paced. Um, And it's just great to have uh, an insight into the complexities, but also the the passion and the steering of of being able to launch new products or develop products beyond where they are at the moment. And there's an awful lot of need and capacity for that in fresh produce, let alone in, um, in, in things like uh, made products so I, I found that really insightful and I'd like to thank Lucy because it's uh, it's been quite inspiring so, oh thank yes. you thank you very much for having me it's been oh, really lovely great.
Lucy, Lucy, where can we find you on social media, LinkedIn? How can we find yeah, you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Lucy Wager. I'm there. <laughs> easy, pay, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And uh, yeah. just be, just before, wait, Lucy, thank you. Just before we wrap up, my, my thought of the TV series, um, I've, I've, <laughs> I've had a, a couple of people, uh, someone claiming, Jer- claiming to be Jeremy Clarkson. Christine wants to see the, our TV series on Dave. You up for that? <laughs> Yes, Max. <laughs> yes, we've been had. <laughs> yeah. Right. And who's going to say? Um, has anyone got the dates of your next person events? So I do. Can, uh, go. I do. So our next Women in Food and Farming event is on the fourth of April. It's at Savills in London. Our guest speaker is Susie Dealey, who is the chief executive of Rabbi, which is the benevolent institution and supports people all through the farming industry um, who are in particular need and they, they've got new research that they're going to take us through which is absolutely brilliant the invites you can find on Eventbrite um, if you if you sign up to Women in Food and Farming which you can do on any if you go into any of Max's Beanstalk Global recordings he always puts all of the list of um, all the contacts um, we will as of International Women's Day have a website which is womeninfoodandfarming.org you'll be able to sign up there and if none of those work just just send me, I just Google me and send me a message through the contact form. But we'd love to have loads of people there. And uh, I just wanted to wish, well, first of all, yeah, so before I actually go, go just to say, Max, you've been a superstar. You have been so, so supportive to us. And um, hopefully you'll be a friend of women in food and farming forever. But then to say to everybody, happy International Women's Day on the 8th of March. Excellent. Uh, just to wrap up, Lucy, what's the name of your cat? Uh, Mimi. Uh, so we thank, uh, was it was it Pen- Penny, Debbie, your, your new grandchild? Yes. We'd, we'd like to thank Penny and we'd like to thank Mimi and Beverly, Lucy, Debbie, Kirsty, and Christine. Uh, Women in Food and Farming, March, done and dusted. Lucy, you're brilliant. Thank you very much. Have a good night, everyone. Bye, thank everyone. you, everybody. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye